You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. It is, well, Halloween is upon us, Chris. Yep, it's spooky season, so we got to <laughs> share our love of, of the spooks and the ghouls with the superheroes. That's right. We're going to, you know, we'll talk a little bit about uh, special Halloween issues and uh, a lot, talking a lot about costume changes and people wearing different people's costumes is either a gag or as a story plot or what have you. But yeah, uh, I think I'm going to enjoy having this conversation in, on our Halloween episode. So let's get right into the spinner rack. What is new in new comic book days this week? Okay. So before you go trick or treating this Saturday, remember Tuesday, you can go to your local comic shop and get all the new DC comics that are coming out to you. So from DC, we've got action comics, 1026 as Brian Michael Bendis is starting to wrap up his era on the Superman family. Um, I'm excited to see him go. I mean, not to say it in a, in a mean way, but I definitely want to see what somebody's going to do because feel like he aged the superman family too quickly but i will Mm -hmm. say i am glad that he did make a superman family Uh, if you can see this variant for uh issue 1026 like i like the fact that superman's got a family again you know uh we can see a very interesting cover like that cover the art on that is is so different uh and yeah you're right there's a there's a supergirl there's superman there is jonathan kent superboy and then yep. there's also Connor Kent Superboy on there. Yeah, so it's it's nice to start seeing the families come back because I think that's one of the things we lost out on with New 52 was family and legacy. They went more for the Lone Ranger aspect of there's just the one hero. But Batman is more exciting when he has Robin and the rest of the family. Superman is a better character when you know there's a guy who cares about the universe, but there's also a universe that cares about the guy as well. So I'm very excited to see that coming back. Lu- Lucio Perillo? Perillo? Have you yeah, ever Lucio Perillo. Yeah, have you ever heard of this uh, particular artist? Like I I can't say I have. I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure they've done a couple of uh, variant covers, but I don't think I've seen any interior artwork yet. All right. Uh, so, uh, but anyways, so moving along, we've got Batgirl number 50. This is going to be a big one because this is going to be more fallout from the Joker war. As we can see from the cover here, um, Oracle's back. So that's going to be interesting. I think Barbara is giving up the Batgirl identity and moving back into her Oracle identity. Really? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know in Batman 100, it came time for the Bat family to basically start putting the womp on the Joker. She goes to the clock tower and, you know, sits in her chair and she's like, Oracle's back online. Um, 
there's been a lot of talk about Cassie Kane and Stephanie Brown. So I'm sure Rafa is going to be even more excited and there's more fuel for his Twitter campaign to get those toys made. So <laughs> listen up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks like she's going to be moving on from the Batgirl identity. I think that's neat. Honestly, like to me, her becoming Oracle is like Dick becoming Nightwing. It's not a bad thing. Like a lot of times, like, Yes, you know, we want to see her out there fighting crime and stuff like that. At the same time, the network and community she built as Oracle is nothing to sneeze at. So I'm I'm very excited to see what next year will hold in store for Barbara and the Batgirls. Do you remember which writer it was that first put her in the Oracle persona? So I want to say... I think that credit actually might go to John Ostrander uh, because if I remember correctly, I think she became Oracle in the suicide squad book. Really? Okay. Well, so she, yeah, like after, you know, after the killing joke, uh, she just kind of got sidelined. And then I think it was John Ostrander during his run. He kind of toyed with the idea that Barbara was this, you know, one 800 superhero hotline. And then, of course, people took it and, and blew it up even further. And obviously, with the internet, it, it made her even more encompassing. But yeah, I think it was John Ostrander who played with that idea first. So the, the reason I, I was I was going with that, I, I assume that's like around the late '90s when that happened. Um, well, early no, sorry, late late '80s is when she made the transformation in Oracle. Really? Okay. Um, uh, yeah, that, obviously, that would have been at the beginning of commercial internet uh definitely had the government internet around for a while like that and you could she you could say that she was using that but now you have was it new 52 or was it rebirth that gave her her ability to walk again back new 52 new 52 did that too so you know you have new 52 come in give her 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 legs back and she's no longer uh bound to a wheelchair and so she's being super or a batgirl again right uh which is you know everybody's like oh okay cool she's going back to her origins she's she's bouncing around as batgirl again you get all that that nostalgia stuff but i think with the world that we live in now you need that person that understands the internet so well and does all that that that's kind of important to put her back in the oracle now do you need to make her disabled again bound uh, you know put her in the wheelchair no but like she can still i mean even when she was in the wheelchair she still was able to defend herself and kick ass like but you still get to now you get to put her in that position where she's going to be the end all say all in the dc universe probably for uh hacking so to speak yeah, exactly. Like, how cool is it that, you know, she's obviously a well-trained detective. She's a high-tech guru. So, I mean, she could easily just, like, go into, like, you know, let's let's pick um, LexCore. So she could just go into their, like, lobby, you know, she's probably wearing a wig and a disguise. And it's like, all of a sudden, she just pulls out her cell phone and beep, 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 you know, and it's like, all of a sudden, you could hear Luther, like, 
throw a chair out a window and like, we just lost $1 billion. Where did it go? You know? And it's like, that's what Barbara can do. She has that capability, you know? And then all of a sudden, you know, Lois Lane and police show up and it's like, is it true that you guys are bio harvest testing in your labs? You know? And he's like, what? You know? And yeah, she could totally do some amazing things. So it's like, exactly. I think by making her Oracle, you give her more. So yeah, yeah, I'm very excited. I think I think there's some good stuff coming. Cool. Uh, let's see. Well, here's some fun in our comic book. So Batman Beyond issue 48. So Dan Jurgens is bringing his most famous creation, Booster Gold, to cross over with Batman Beyond. Um, and not only is it just going to be a Booster Gold, but it's also going to be a younger Batman. And when I say younger Batman, I'm not saying like you know. Year one bat one Batman. This might be our current day Batman, but it won't be old man Bruce. Um, so, anyways, they call this first contact. Um, and so basically, I guess right here they're saying the solicit Bruce is lashing out. He tries to kill Terry McGinnis. Um, the only person who can save him is Booster Gold, and we're gonna see what happens. So uh he he's taking Batman Beyond back to the Gotham of old where Bruce Wayne is Batman which means Batman and Batman Beyond will meet at last. So a lot of exciting stuff to happen there. A uh, great crossover between three heroes. And with Dan Jurgens helming it, I'm very excited. And we got Sean Chen doing the art. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. So I think that one's definitely worth putting on your pickup list. Uh, and definitely stay on that book for issue 50, because I'm pretty sure that's where it's going to end the crossover. But I also think that's where it's ending the series. So it could be interesting to see what's going to happen. And of course, we have the big one, Batman Three Jokers, number three will be released. I think the most monumental thing to, mon to, to mention here is the fact that Three Jokers, when it finally did get put out, it shipped on time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's an amazing feat upon itself, because if you were like I was and super excited about Doomsday Clock and all it promised... Um, you know, I was like, okay, I can dedicate one year of my life to this story. And then sadly, it took two years. And then by the time it was finished, the ramifications didn't even matter. Um, unfortunately, one of those statements I'm saying is true when it comes to Batman Three Jokers. But pick it up for yourself. Judge it for yourself. Overall, it's a great, exciting story. But I just don't think it's going to have the punch that it would have had had it been released five years ago. But anyways. How many um, issues is this supposed to be? It's just three, three on the dot. Okay. It's okay because then they can do Batman three jokers squared, which will be the sequel. And then we'll have nine jokers and they'll just keep doing it over and over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Batman or sorry, not Batman. Uh, Dark Knight's death metal is continuing on. And so we will have a crossover issue rise of the new God. So James Tinian, the fourth and Brian Hill will be jumping in with their own crazy adventures. <clears throat> so he started off as the Batman who laughs and he recently got some of the powers of Dr. Manhattan. Then he also managed to trick the Trinity into giving him all that crisis energy. So now he is the multiverse who laughs. So now we're going to see what this Batman who laughs is going to do with all that power. So now he's a new God, which is a very interesting choice of words because new gods quite the uh, group in the DC universe. So I wonder if this will be a moment for them to shine. So that could be definitely worthwhile. Uh, death Metal's overall is has been really, or I guess, yeah, Dark Knight's Death Metal 
been really good. So I definitely don't think you're going to lose out if you pick this one up. Um, what else do we have coming out? So you've got your standard comics, Detective Comics 1029, Flash 764, Justice League Dark 27, which is a great bo- book to pick up for the spooky season. Uh, the Legion of Superheroes issue 10 will be out. Red Hood Outlaw finally hits issue 50, which is Scott Lodell's finale with his time on the book. Suicide Squad issue 10 is out. Uh, Tom Taylor has been writing this book is quite the amazing series. Uh, and we have been seeing Ted Cord come back. So for all you blue beetle fanatics, uh, this is a book to definitely check out because as we learned spoiler in the last issue, it wasn't Ted who was doing all this stuff. So how is the new suicide squad going to react when they discover Ted isn't the man who did it? Will they believe him or will they be out for blood? Blue beetle blood. That is <laughs> uh, wonder what 765 will be out. And I really have to remark, uh, if you can see here, uh, the variant cover B by Joshua Middleton. Wow. That is just an amazing painting. Yeah. Uh, just something else. So it is really exciting to see that painted comic books, uh, and not necessarily the interior, but the, the covers. I'm glad to see that a lot of that's coming back. So Wonder Woman's definitely going to be getting a lot of feature because in somewhere in the multiverse, we would have already watched Wonder Woman 1984. Somewhere. <laughs> uh let's see absolute swamp thing by alan moore so if you want to get your creepy on this is definitely a book to help with that so volume one will be getting a new edition and volume two will be out so you could get that one two punch if you're excited for it <clears throat> batman the the bat family will actually be celebrating 80 years so dc has been putting out a lot of celebration books because a lot of their characters are hitting that 80 year milestone so if you want to check out Batman, Nightwing, Red Hood, Red Robin, Robin, Batgirl, and all the craziness that contains in the Batcave. Definitely check this one out. Let me uh, this so, speaking of the Bat family, has Tim Drake come back to continuity yet? Like, I know that him and the Young Justice crew had gone off and he had been become Drake for a little bit, but... So, I did see him in Batman the Joker War. Um, and he wasn't wearing the Drake costume or going by the Drake code name. I think they were just straight up calling him Robin. Um, so I'm very curious to see is the R- Tim Drake that's running around in Bendis's young justice book. Is that the same Tim Drake that was in the Batman comics or is it just that? Yeah, that Drake experiment really did suck that bad. Let's leave it alone. <laughs> I think but for the most part, I think he is back. Yeah. I was going to say in the, even in the Young Justice book, I think he even changed back into Robin instead of being called Drake. Yeah. Um, yeah but I was just wondering, like, do you think they'll ever end up doing something different with Tim Drake in his costume? Like, well, because we already have Damien as, as Robin. Will we get Tim Drake as something else? I definitely think there is precedent for it just because on a marketing standpoint, the more characters you have running around is more merchandise you can sell. I think that's something that a lot of fans forget about. So it's definitely a smart idea to say, okay, let's do that. So, I mean, you have the red Robin moniker out there since kingdom come. Right. Why not? Why not, you know, copyright it again and try it and see what happens. You know, I mean, it's not a bad idea. You know, you can play with it. You know, every time he shows up, Hey, what's up RR, you know, I know they probably want to stay away from it because, minute i say the words red robin most of you probably went yum you know? 
So there is that element, but I think it's in their interest to have it because if you look at this cover of the book, you see Bruce, Dick, Jason, Tim, and Damien. And we obviously have them as Batman, Nightwing, Red Hood, and then you got a pair of Robins at the bottom. Um, it wouldn't be a bad idea to have the name be used multiple ways because obviously the precedent is set over at Marvel that if we say Spider-Man, somebody might think Peter Parker or Miles Morales. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, Marvel is losing out on a lot of trademarking um, <clears throat> memorabilia and all that stuff. So I guess the question is, what's better, creative or the business side of stuff? Uh, and that's mm-hmm. always a tough balance. I personally, I think when DC tries this experiment with Future State, um, it'll be very interesting to see that we have you know, multiple people running around calling themselves Batman. Well, because um, we have multiple people running around calling themselves Flash and Green Lantern. So why not extend that to those characters as well? That's fair. But let me ask you this. And the fact that you brought up Future State, we saw in that uh, splash page that we talked about last week on our Patreon, uh, there is going to be a Red X, which is a character that's only known from the Teen Titans cartoon. Is there a possibility that Tim Drake takes on that name? You know, that's a that's a good connecting the dots. Um, that would be something else. That'd be pretty wild. I have a feeling that it's a new character. Um, I just, I don't know, like when I notice comics gaining characters from television, they tend to become somebody new. Mm. Um, so I, I could see that happen because like, for instance, with Batwoman, the TV show, uh, due to the the casting and and, and character changes that we're going to see, forget her secret identity, but the new Batwoman's secret identity has been introduced in the comics. So I don't know. I, I think you you're onto something. That would be pretty exciting if they said, "Hey, why not?" Because again, something that is forgotten about Tim Drake, he also is very good at the internets. So I think yep. it would be comical because what happens when a page doesn't load? You get Red X. Already. <laughs> like that'd be a neat connection to that culture and, that's out there. And I think that originally, when the Teen Titans character of Red X was introduced, it was their Robin doing a costume change to to uh, uh, play up a, a a villain character that was just him. Like he wasn't. He was just. He was. It, it's his. It was kind of like a Matches Malone thing for him. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I always feel bad for characters like Tim Drake and Wally West. Anytime they're like, hey, let's put Robin out there. And I mean, I'm a big Dick Grayson fan. The coolest Robin is Tim Drake. So it's like they steal Tim Drake's persona and they put it on Dick Grayson. They're like, oh, yeah, no, he was always cooler. And it's like, no, Dick Grayson was just funny and acrobatic. There's nothing (laughs) wrong with that. Uh, same thing, even like Barry Allen, he was a stick in the mud and that was okay. That was his thing. But it's like, no, let's give him the Barry or let's give him the Wally West persona. And it's like, ah, oh, those poor <laughs> fans always get robbed. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. I just wanted to throw that out there. I know, but good observation. So that will be something now that I think I want to put on my checklist to discover who is Red X. Uh, well, let's see. Okay. So moving along, uh, this is a really collected, a really great collected edition. I would, I would recommend picking up Batman, the man who laughs the deluxe edition, Ed Brubaker and Doug monkey came together to make a classic retelling of the first time the Batman and Joker met. Um, this actually is a very fun, exciting issue. 
I'll be curious to see what else they put inside the deluxe edition because when it was originally released, it was just a simple prestige format book. Um, The pain in the neck about it, though, is a lot of people didn't order it, and then it became huge. So it's it's something else. So so let's see here. Uh, Inside this collected edition, you'll get the classic Batman Who Laughs number one. Um, you'll get stories from Detective Comics 784 through 786 and Batman Gotham number one. Uh, and Batman mm-hmm. Gotham door number one is the first time Brubaker and Sean Phillips teamed up. That is okay. So maybe you're better off just going and seeing if you can find a copy of the trade because <laughs> I love the fact that this is first time Batman and Joker meet. Then they stick in a Batman Alan Scott story. Then they stick in the first time Brubaker and Sean Phillips teamed up. It's like, really? With this being the first Joker, you couldn't have stuck Batman number one in there, his first appearance, and you couldn't have stuck in like his reemergence in the 70s when they finally said, hey, we can have him be a killer clown again. Like, oh, shame on you, collected editions. Could have done way better. Anyways, uh, oh, and then one last one, Shazam, the deluxe edition. So if you were definitely a fan of Jeff John's, his run on Shazam, the newer version, and you want to get an idea of what Shazam 2 can look like, I would definitely recommend picking this one up. It's Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, so it's a very beautiful packaged, uh, shiny-looking book. And the emotions will be hit hard, because if you thought Billy discovering his mom was something else in the movie, wait till you see Billy discovering his dad. That hit hard so don't read this one alone (laughs) so that'll be all from dc comics this tuesday uh let's go ahead and go over to the main competition so over at marvel we are going to have amazing spider-man number 51 uh which will continue on with the last remains fallout so i don't know if you saw mitch but they basically had this new character um, oh man, I can't think of his name. And I think we touched on it a little bit, but it was Harry Osborne. So Harry Osborne is back. We did the villain. Yeah. So I, I'm very much more uh, interested to find out what's going to happen there. Like, are they the same or are they different? So that could be pretty wild. A uh, black widow. We black widow will be getting her own. I'm not sure if this is a mini series or if it's a one shot. I think it's a one shot, a uh, black widow widow sting. So this will be a neat little tie in book to the movie that doesn't exist. So if you're a black <laughs> widow fan, definitely check it out. Let me After- ask you, is that still the black widow? That's a result of that. Um, one book that came out after secret empire where it was Clint and Bucky uh, trying to find Black Widow, and you find out she's a clone, and she's always been a clone. Oh, you're talking about the Tales of Suspense miniseries by Matt Rosenberg? Yeah. So, the, the fact that most fans probably don't remember the name of that, I would say no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, which is a shame, because I enjoyed that miniseries, because I always love the banter between Clint and Bucky. Um, and it gave Tasha an interesting character... Um, great, but it's one of those things where it's like, it's funny because during Batman in the new 52 futures end era, they toyed with that, that Bruce Wayne burns out bodies. So he clones and takes a new one and puts his mind in there. Um, during X-Men right after the, uh, 
want to say after the Avengers versus X-Men, so when they made the Cable and X-Force miniseries, or not miniseries, but series, they did the same thing there where Cable burns out bodies, so he just transfers his mind over. So it's like somebody needs to get that character trait and keep it because it's not a bad idea. And people write great stories, but unfortunately, the editors just don't pay attention and remember that. So, uh, so somewhere out there, it's a great story that's not being used. Oh, wait, that's here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Dr. Doom number eight by Christopher Cantwell. So he's been doing some amazing stuff. I might be checking that book out pretty soon myself. Um, heads up, if you're collecting the Alex Ross Timeless covers, Fantastic Four and Thesis number three will feature Medusa. Uh, so this has been, actually, I've been hearing some positive things, which is great. I think definitely including a writer on these Neil Adams tales helps. And you can't go wrong when you've got Mark Wade on the job. Mortal Hulk number 39 will be out, which will continue on the craziness that's going over there. And I love the fact that one of the covers is actually just featured as spoiler. So it looks like things are going to get very interesting over there. Uh, Runaways is back, issue 32, so I know everybody's been hyping up this one, so it'll be curious to see, so if you're a Runaways fan, definitely pop that on your calendar. Uh, Savage Avengers number 13 will be out. Shang-Chi is back, and he's got his own series right now, uh, which is perfect to help build him up as a character before the movie comes out. And again, if you're collecting the Alex Ross Timeless covers, Shang-Chi number 2 will have the variant featuring Shang-Chi himself. Uh, Spider-Man Noir is coming to the fifth issue on its series, so I'm not sure if that's going to be the conclusion or not, uh, but if you definitely like the Nicolas Cage Spider-Man, check that out. Strange Academy number four, one of the variants will feature Scarlet Witch for her Alex Ross timeless variant. Then it's time to save some money. So for your True Believers dollar comics, we have a crossover with Black Widow and The Thing from the Marvel 2-in-1 series. Um, Black Widow Yelena Boleva will be getting her first appearance collected as a uh, True Believers, and that was part of the Marvel Knights number one. So this is the blonde-haired legacy of the Black Widow character. X of Swords looks like it'll be coming to its conclusion. So we will be getting X of Swords Stasis number one. So that series has just been going hard and fast. Like every week there's probably been like three or four parts to it. So kudos, the X-Men team over there. Um, if you're looking at collected editions, Empire will finally be collected. So if you missed out, now's the chance to pick up the trade and see what all happened. Daredevil, The Man Without Fear, will be getting a Marvel Select hardcover edition. Now, this story means a lot to me, and it's funny because it has two creators behind it that I don't necessarily care for, uh, Frank Miller and John Romita Jr. So, <laughs> I was a very young kid when I read this. I actually remember reading it at grocery stores, uh, back when grocery stores used to have a comic rack. So I'd go in there and I'd pick up the issues and read them, and I just fell in love with the story. It was the early 90s retelling of daredevil's origin and it just was jam-packed full of emotion and heart so i definitely i have to recommend it every time i see it i think it's a beautiful story um infinity gauntlet will be getting a new edition of its omnibus edition so you'll get the major story plus all the tie-ins um if you're excited about u.s agent iron man 2020 robot revolution force works will be collected in a trade paperback so that managed to get the uh the Avengers West Coast to have a mini team up. Uh, I was bummed because I really think they should have had Wonder Man guest star in there as well. But, you know, not everybody's perfect, so it's okay. 
Um, let's see, before I leave, because usually I talk about the major two publishers. This week, though, let's go ahead and check out some of the indies. Because if I remember correctly, I think it's IDW who currently has the uh, the Ninja Turtles license. If you can get one, kudos to you. Yes, that's right. It does come out this week. It was kind of a sneak attack. Uh, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Last Ronin, number one. It's finally here. The quote-unquote old man turtle story. Um, so this is definitely going to be exciting. It's already sold out. So if your comic shop gets something, it might be worth picking up. Um, this is crazy. It heard talk about it, and it, now it's it's here. It just kind of snuck up. So get ready for that. Do you know which which turtle is the last Ronin? Nobody knows yet. Nobody oh. knows yet. I think we're gonna. I think if I remember correctly, I think this is a four part series. So I don't think we'll learn till issue three. I'm sure they'll tease and comicbook.com will put out a million articles explaining why it's Splinter or some goofy ass reason. Um, <laughs> but yeah. But I, I don't, nobody knows. So if anybody out there is telling you that hasn't read the book, I wouldn't trust them. Anyways. Oh, and don't forget too. also, this is something that's goofy, but in case you wanted to help Robert Kirkman get another yacht, uh, the walking dead is being reprinted in color. I managed to pick up the first issue. I enjoyed it. I was very surprised. So definitely keep that up there. Keep that out there in mind. If you want to take a look at the uh, walking dead with a different perspective. And that's what's on your spinner rack. Before, actually, I wanted to ask you one question though. Request I saw on the on a page back there, they had all of Empire being collected on a trade paper. Well, I don't know if it's all, but it was the Empire uh, trade paper back from Marvel. Now, yes. is that going to be all of Empire, or are they splitting it into two trades? Do you know? So I definitely. This was a tough one because with Empire. Like the way the the framing device behind Empire is, this should be the Avengers Fantastic Four team up. Okay, mm-hmm. um, so with this one we get Empire Zero, which features the Avengers issue and the Fantastic Four issue. We get the six part Empire main story, and then the aftermath on the Avengers and the Fantastic Four issue. So this is definitely like a heart of the matter do you think about it that way? But there will probably be like three or four trades out there that'll collect in those tie-in issues. It's kind of like, like Rafa and I just read this one again, but like Siege, that was a four-issue miniseries, but there was also Siege, Dark Avengers, Siege, Wolverine, and stuff like that. Or like uh, Civil War, you know, Civil War New Avengers. So you could see what was going on in the comic during that time, but it didn't necessarily translate to the main story it was just crossover okay but it it does have the main story all in one trade yeah so if you wanted to get to the heart of the matter i would definitely say this is the trade to get okay are you thinking of the water on that i mean i I, if looking at the cover art on that uh on that trade i thought that looks i like the look of that but uh the fact that that it was a story that had a lot to do with uh, Teddy Hulkling. Like, I was like, yeah, I kind of really want to read that. All right, good. You can get it, and then I'm going to borrow it from you. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. All right, that is what is on your Interact this week. For new comic book days, because you got Tuesday and Wednesday, 
but we're talking about Halloween and we're talking about what are what well first let, let's Chris, what is some of your favorite Halloween issues of books? So I always love when the holidays come into play when it's uh that time of the season. And it's funny because we talk about comics and we, we kind of find ourselves uh lumped into DC and Marvel, which is not a bad place to be. But in all honesty, whenever I think of Halloween, I always try to pull out It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, um, just because Snoopy and the gang, those were some fun characters. So I really enjoy their adventures. Um, overall, like I know Batman The Haunted Night is a fun book to read. So The Haunted Night was Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale's first real team up when it came to Batman. And in that story, it's basically like, oh, gosh, what's that classic Christmas tale? Um, Christmas Carol. So right. where Ebenezer Scrooge is visited by three ghosts. Uh, this is a twist on that with Batman being visited by three of his villains, uh, showing him moments and losses in his life. So that's always a fun one to pick up during the season. My all-time top ones. So when I brought this idea up to Mitch, I was talking about like, oh, let's let's search for uh, Times Heroes, you know, wear different costumes or or, uh, you know, it's just a direct Halloween issue. So I, I was thinking about this one when I had it in my mind. So it's Amazing Spider-Man issue 566. Good luck on the volume, because I don't know what it would be anymore with Spider-Man transferring volume after volume. But I thought this was a fun one because. It's tight. It's part of a story arc called Craven's First Hunt. So during that era of Spider-Man, Craven the Hunter was dead again. And they took his son and they decided to say, hey, let's turn around and let's have him carry on the, 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 the Craven legacy. Let's have him be a bad guy. So he started going bananas. So Mark Guggenheim was the writer of this one and Phil Jimenez was the artist. So they started having them team up. And Spider-Man just could not win because he's Spider-Man. So then it got into Peter Parker's mind where it's like, well, wait a second. What if I come at them as Daredevil instead of being Spider-Man? So they'll they'll reevaluate their um, attack, but then all of a sudden they won't realize what's hitting them. So I thought that was great because it literally is Peter Parker running around in a Daredevil costume. One of my favorite parts of that is when he initially asked Matt Murdock for a costume, Matt's like, fine, here you go. And he gives him one. And then Spider-Man's like, there's no eye holes. Of course, Matt <laughs> Murdock's like, well, why do I need those? I'm blind. So I thought that was funny. So Peter Parker actually had to cut out eye holes for that one. So I thought that was, that was just a fun tongue in cheek poke at things. Um, it was published September of 2008. So I think they kind of had the idea of, Having that be ready for Halloween, October time as well, kind of sitting on the stands. Uh, and again, it's just a fun crossover. Oh, I'm sorry. This Craven wasn't the son. It was the daughter Craven. So my bad. It was, um, oh, what was her name? I can't tell you. I don't remember. But but yeah, but it's just a fun Spider-Man Daredevil team up. Some beautiful Phil Jimenez art. So I just thought that was funny. But I mainly remember that moment with... Uh, Peter borrowing Matt's costume. And then this is another fun one that I love that exchanges costumes. So I want to say, I think this was actually my first, um, uh, elseworlds. So it's called Superman speeding bullets. So it's JM Dematis and Eduardo Barreto. Um, they took two classic stories 
and imagine if the hell out of them. <laughs> so they decided to say, hey, what if baby Kal-El crashed in Gotham City? And it just so happened that he got there right before Thomas and Martha found themselves a pregnant with a young Bruce. So they managed to, with the help of Alfred, take this baby out of the ship. They decide to name him as their own. So he becomes Bruce Wayne and life plays out the way it did. So you have the Waynes go to the movies. Uh, sure enough, Joe chill, you know, harasses them right after the movie. And he does kill Thomas and Martha, which causes a young Bruce Wayne to have so much anger. that He unleashes his heat vision right on Joe chill and burns him to death right there. And then from that, Bruce is afraid of who he is. So he kind of stays a recluse. And then because of that, he finally decides to use his powers for good because we also get a Joker-Luther mashup, which I thought was interesting. So basically, both of their worlds merge dynamically into each other. Um, but I just thought it was so great to see a flying Batman, an angry Superman, just all these great elements. So you have a Superman inside a Batman costume just being darker than dark. Um, this was a crazy Elseworlds. And I also love the fact that the cover is an homage to Superman number one all the way back in either 1939 or 1940. So I thought that was really cool too. What about you, Mitch? Do you have any uh, favorite Halloween themes or costume crossovers and stuff like that? Well, I was going to say that that book that you're speaking of, Superman Speed and Bolts, is one of my favorites as well. I know it's one of the books that we first bonded over when we first started talking about comics with each other, but yeah, that, that is such a good story and such good art. Um, yeah, I have a few, uh, I know I've talked about it a few times on this book in, or on this comic, uh, on this podcast. That's, that's what this is. It's a podcast on this podcast <laughs> a few times, especially when we're talking about, um, Halloween stuff, but there was a Marvel comics called the supernaturals. And uh, oh. it had a bunch of spooky characters. And uh, I think the big bad was Jack-O-Lantern, which is the Jack-O-Lantern character is very reminiscent of uh, the Green Goblin character. Like, I know that he uses a lot of the same tech. Yeah, yeah, because he has a, a flying hoverboard as well, I believe, right? Yeah, and he wears a, a pumpkin on his head instead of just throwing the pumpkin bombs. <laughs> right so uh yeah that's that's that was one of the books that i i remember collecting just because it was out of the blue and i just saw the first cover of it and i was like oh this this looks really interesting i i want to i want to check this out and uh it was it was pretty cool i think this is uh let's see let's see if i can find out who the writer on that was Bra brian polito yeah well because i was just gonna say um i think that was an experiment that Marvel had. So kind of like in the vein of the idea of um, when they took their main heroes and said, Hey, let's uh, let's, let's have them be sent over to image. And like, so that's where we had heroes were born or uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Joe Quesada's publishing line gave us the Marvel Knights. So this one was, Oh God, what is, cause you have Jim Belent, you have Brian Polito um, they're definitely teaming up to do this stuff. And I'm trying to think of what their comic company is. It's the one with evil Ernie. You remember that character? Uh, I mean, I know of the character, but I don't know what the company is. Oh, chaos comics. I think that's what it was. Okay. So 
yeah, it just was like, yeah, let's let's let some of our supernatural superheroes uh, be published by Chaos Comics. Let them go to town on it. So yeah, you had what? Uh, I got the cover here. You got Ghost Rider. I think that's Brother Voodoo. Yeah, uh, Werewolf by Night, uh, and a couple others. And then yeah, the Jack O' Lantern right above them. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, those that four issues and really really enjoying it. So that was. I, I and honestly, I don't know if that came out around Halloween time or not, but it definitely is a Halloween esque story. <laughs> well, yeah, it looks like it because uh, they they've got the published date of December of ninety eight, but comics like the publication date is usually. I I should know this formula by now. It's like you give or take uh, three three months. So that would have put it if it's take three months, that would have put it back in October. This is pretty wild. Okay. I'm seeing here. Yeah, Black Cat was part of the team as well. Right. Yeah, it it had uh, quite a bit of people there. Yeah, and it's pretty wild here taking a look. Ivan Rise is one of the artists on this. So I was I saw I, that. Ivan, Ivan Rise went on to do a lot of uh, Green Lantern, and even then he stayed spooky when he did Blackest Night. <laughs> another book that i was going to bring up like uh once again definitely not a solely halloween story because it took up a good part of the year i assume being a massive crossover that it was but uh blackest night that i mean all your either favorite or not favorite characters coming back from the dead in the dc universe to as zombies that's that's pretty spooky right oh yeah no this one i tell you that was in my opinion, that was a great crossover. Like I, I yes. definitely, I know both of us enjoyed uh, the Jeff Johns era of comics, but holy cow, like see these characters get their heart literally ripped out of their chest was insane. Like it was, it was beautiful and it was disturbing at the same time. I mean, we get Aquaman back, we get Martian Manhunter back and they're the worst versions of themselves. You know, it was, it was something else. And like, the horror that was unleashed by Deathstorm, as he wound up calling himself. So when you had Ronnie Raymond, uh, Professor, oh, I can't think of his name. And then, of course, the new Firestorm, I can't think of his name either. Rush and... Uh, there you go, Jason Rush. Or Professor Stein, Martin Stein. Yeah, there you go, Professor Stein, yeah. Oh, my God, that was the... Those were some of the saddest pages I've ever read in a comic book. It's very true. Yeah, that's it's, it. Was all it was all a really good crossover. So, uh, and and the the tie-ins with that, which then also kind of ties in with the the costume change, so to speak, because you had a not just not a costume change, but uh, or a costume swap, but more of a, uh, a amalgam, because you had all those regular characters that became lanterns, right? You had uh, Wonder Woman becoming a Star Sapphire? What's that? An oh, indigo? Yeah. Indigo, that's it's Violet Lantern, right? So yeah, so you had your Violet Lantern, uh, your Indigo Tribesman as the Atom. Yeah, the Atom became the Indigo Tribesman. You had uh uh well the big one was was Barry Barry Allen becoming the blue, uh the Hope Lantern. And yep. What else do we have? We have Orange, which was Lex Luthor. Who was that? Luther? Yeah, Luther, that makes sense. Yeah. It was Luther. Red uh, was have- your Mira. Mira. Yep. Yeah. And then 
the scarecrow became your fear lantern. Yeah, oh, that's right. Which I, you know, Luther and, and Scarecrow being your only villains that were on the team, though, right? I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, those those are definitely interesting costumes, and you could uh, say that they were they could go around parading those for Halloween as well if they wanted to. Uh, <laughs> but one of the one of the big ones where the heroes swapped costumes for me was uh superman batman i don't remember the issue uh but you have uh superman dressing up as captain marvel and uh batman dressing up as hawkman to go up against president luther and his lackeys of shazam and uh hawkman hawkman yeah or captain marvel and hawkman yeah oh that's right that's that's a good pick um I know it was part of the public enemies storyline. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, what a twist president Luther. And um, that's right. So Superman and Batman public enemy uh, Luther got his own hit squad of government based heroes to try to apprehend Superman and Batman. And somehow, yeah, Hawkman and captain Marvel Wound up being on that team, so I think I think the issue you're specifically talking about might be Superman Batman issues four and five. Because yeah, I thought that was so cool too. Like I can't remember the word. Maybe you remember it, but Castle. it was like, there we go. Yeah, and then like they they said that phrase, and it was just like what? And we see the the Captain Marvel logo tear underneath, and then it's like, oh, he actually is Superman. This is exciting. Yeah, that was a that was a cool costume swap. Yeah, I like that one. Um, another one that comes to mind is Ultimates number three, or not Ultimates number three, but Ultimates three. Uh, uh, if you remember in the Ultimate universe of Marvel, uh, you had the they weren't called the Avengers; they were called the Ultimate. I think eventually they do go on to calling themselves the Ultimate Avengers or something like that. But when it was Jeff Loeb and Joe Mardera, is that sound? that sound right for how you say his last name? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, you had Captain America parading around as Black Panther because I think Cap at the time was either wanted or basically he couldn't show his face in public. And then I think it was, I want to say it was Wolverine. that was like, I knew it was you the whole time because I could smell you or something like that. And then he finally pulls off the Black Panther costume and it's Captain America underneath. Oh wow! I remember starting. Remember, like some of it, because I remember, like, like Joe Mad's art at the time was just like the be all end all, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. Looking back at it, like I'm looking at the cover of number one, it's very much Terry McGinnis style looking art. Um, True, much buffed out mega hero, uh, crazy physique. But I guess that must have just been one of those books I bought and I didn't read it. <laughs> I mean, that, that makes sense. I don't think anybody was really reading Ultimates uh, at that point anymore. So uh, I can, I can, uh, I can see you not not getting that. Yeah, that was probably that era of well, I own every Ultimate comic so far. Just suck it up, and what's one more? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I know there's the one that we both talked about loving a lot was uh, Tom King's uh, Date Night. Did you already talk about that? No, but that's a good one. That was a great one. Yeah, Date Night where you had 
Bruce and Selena right before their supposed their marriage was supposed to happen, their wedding was supposed to happen. Uh, go on a double date with Lois and Clark, and they had they went to a carnival that you had to be wearing a costume, and instead of just wearing their normal costumes, they decided to switch costumes. I thought that was such a a fun concept because I, I guess for me one of the fun moments was getting to see Clark nerd out like he's excited he's I'm ba- I'm Batman and of course <laughs> Bruce is a jerk because he's like I don't care like you're still not cool like kind of raining all <laughs> over his parade <laughs> and then Clark- didn't that even end with like a little bit of baseball at the end yeah 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 and then Clark having to wear his uh his glasses on top of the Batman mask. <laughs> Cause sure. Clark has more glasses, right? Yep. Who did I think I remember? What? I was just gonna say, who did who did Selena dress up as? Because obviously there's no Lois Lane costume. Oh, that's a good question. No, I think she just wore the sexy dress. Um because I think I remember something like when they were buying the tickets and the the the, the kid at the front was like he looks at Selena and he's like, no, sorry, you have to be wearing a mask or wearing a costume. And of course she does her like Catwoman, you know, seduction. She's like, do I really? And he's like, no, it's okay. You can go in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we go. Double date. Yeah, that was a fun one. Date night. Well, and even then, so it's funny because it was called Super Friends. <laughs> they love to to bring that that that's that title out every now and then but yeah that was a that was a fun one so do you think that if you if they go out like this this is this is a thing that happened bruce wayne is wearing a superman outfit do people recognize him as bruce wayne like wearing a superman outfit so it's interesting because like i i think about that i go back to uh Justice League shortly after the new 52 began. It's like Justice League issue four, five, or maybe even six. So their first arc and like Batman takes off his mask in front of Green Lantern. He's like, I'm Bruce Wayne. And then Hal Jordan is just like, who the hell's Bruce Wayne? You know? (laughs) So it's like, like, I mean, would you really recognize Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos if they walked by you? You know, like if you were in a store, would you be like, oh, my God, that's so and so. Well, like, OK, I get what you're saying. Uh, if it was Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos or, or Bill Gates, I probably would. But a person like I've only seen a couple times, um, Warren Buffett, if he were to walk by and I didn't see like he didn't have a whole bunch of dudes just like with him, like saying, Oh, what should we do here, sir? Blah, 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 blah. You know, like just have a big old posse with him. I probably wouldn't like that makes sense. Right. And, and there's a score of other billionaires around the world that we might not ever actually recognize. But if I remember correctly, this, this wasn't this fair taking, or this carnival taking place in Gotham. Oh, I forget. Like, I think it definitely would have been Gotham. Like it was either Gotham or Metropolis. And considering it's Batman's book, I definitely would say that it is. Gotham. Um, and you're right in the fact that, like, let's add two elements. So it is Gotham City, and he's going to stick out. Why? Because he's wearing a, a Superman costume. So that's definitely going to draw the eye to take a look. So 
I guess probably in that case, I think people would be freaking out, you know, because they do play it up when Bruce Wayne enters a restaurant or goes places. The rich and elite are like, oh my god, oh my god, they're tripping on themselves. But it's funny because anytime Bat, or sorry, anytime Bruce Wayne enters like a big belly burger, nobody notices him. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe Average doesn't see him, but the upper crust do. <laughs> it's true. You're you're absolutely right. You're I, I get that a lot. So all right, what is there uh, any other particular Halloween stuff that you would love to cover? So I, I think it's neat, like going back to, uh, I know I got excited when they first came out, but when Dark Nights came out and they were doing the one shots, um, I thought that was really fun to see <clears throat> the superheroes, uh, well, like basically evil Batman, but as he's gaining powers. Oh, so like we got to see the Red Death, like the Flash Batman and all that stuff. So I thought those were really fun, uh, spooky stories that, that involved that power crossover um you hit the nail on the head with with blackest night that one was a great one you take into account like oh with dark knights also the what was it the suicide squad titans book the where the two of them teamed up and you had uh all the characters kind of putting on a different form of their outfits and i think you, you said they do they're doing the same thing in the dark knights death metal crossover where they all have like a more barbaric or uh D D esque outfit, so to speak. Uh like I remember in that in the first one, in Dark in Dark Knights, that that was a cool character redesign. And if you if we're talking about costumes and character redesigns too, like I have to give it to Sean Gordon Murphy. Like in that uh White Knight book, all the characters get a new version of their costume and I enjoy all of them. That's true. He uh he did a great job uh, putting them into a neoclassic design, you know, because it's it's definitely the origin or the original looks, but very very updated and and very nice. Yeah. Um, I guess one last one that I think is fun. He did. Um. Um. It was it was an actually it was an incontinuity X Men book. Um. So it was pretty early on with Kitty Pride just joining the uh, group of X Men, and so. I think she's telling this story to Ileana of all people. And it's basically like a fairy tale and she's using the X-Men characters reimagined as these. And so of course it always has a soft spot in my heart because it's a fun character tale, but you also get Cyclops as the hero in this story. So of course I was like, Oh, this is, this is really fun. Um, oh gosh. Like I think John, I think this was still in the era of uh, John Byrne and Chris Claremont. So that was pretty exciting. So it's like, it's Kitty's fairy tale. It's, it's shortly after, um, Oh, here we go. I think this is it right here. Uh, yeah, it looks like uncanny X-Men issue one fifty three. Uh, I even love on the cover how Kitty's standing behind this poster and it's like, and now for something completely different. And so it's like, Wolverine is this beast looking character. Uh, Nightcrawler is cute little pistache bamf. And uh, all these things. So, yeah, it's Kitty's Fairy Tale. Uh, Chris Claremont wrote it. Dave Cockrum. Okay, he was still on the book at that time. Uh, Joe Rubenstein was his inker, and it was just fun. It was, yeah, exactly that. Kitty, tell, Kitty telling Ileana a bedtime story. Uh, and I just thought it was so fun to see all the characters reimagined. And how crazy now to think of 
Kitty Pride telling a, a bedtime story to Ileana because Ileana herself has gone over quite the uh, horror-themed <laughs> makeover. <laughs> She's one of the mistresses of hell. That's also funny, though, right? Like, think about you think about Batman, Superman, Spider Man, Iron Man. They've all had different outfits throughout the years, but they always come back to the standard looking outfit, right? It's always a very much same looking thing. But a lot of your other characters out there in the comic book world have gone through so many iterations of their costumes and and different looks. And there's never usually like the one that they come back to Uh, look at Marvel girl, Jean Grey, right? Like how many costumes has she had? Uh, Oh my gosh. Probably like eight, you know? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's a quite a few. Yeah. Wasp has had so many different ones. Uh, Maybe it doesn't happen so much over on the DC side as much as it does on the uh, Marvel side, but um, I don't know who's, who's someone on DC that's, well, you know, who's the biggest costume chain? (laughs) Kyle Rayner. Yeah, you're right. Kyle Rayner's done that, done that many times, but who's the biggest costume change I would say over on the DC side would be Nightwing. Like to go from Robin to Nightwing is one thing, but then your first Nightwing outfit, the way it looked. And then now how the Nightwing outfit looks is like, I mean, it's not completely different, but it's a big step. Oh yeah, no, it definitely like discoing was fun for the the early '80s, but yeah, when he got that mid '90s redesign with the black and blue, oh my gosh, that was awesome! Like that was yeah. just a great looking costume redesign. It it's right up there with the fact that like major moments in Dick Grayson's life, Robin, Nightwing, the black and blue costume. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, is there anyone that you particularly care for more than others, like costume change wise, other than Nightwing? So it's interesting because like, I, I'm trying to think about it. Um, like I know like Green Lantern, he's luckily kept his costume, like Hal Jordan, for example, like he's kept his Green Lantern costume pretty much the same. Like at first it was, as they called it, the swimsuit. So it very much looked like a one piece. Then they gave him the shoulder tips. Then when rebirth okay. happened, they got rid of the trunks. But I have to say, like when he became Parallax, that was the coolest looking costume. Like uh, just that armor, it looked so regal. And then they slapped a cape on it, and it was like, wow, this this is something else. Um, when he cosplayed as the Spectre for a while, that was all right. You know, they just were like, we don't know. <laughs> with him let's just give him a green lantern costume and put a, a cape and, and and hood over him um since we're talking green lanterns though i know kyle's a character that means a lot to you out of his many different costumes what is your favorite and what is your least favorite <laughs> you know, that's uh, i don't know what my least favorite is i would say and this might be controversial but i i really enjoyed when he was ion like his costume is ion with the the nebula looking outfit kind of thing. And uh, the Ami presence, like I liked that outfit. I thought it was great. Um, I know, I know that you and I kind of give a lot of guff to the dog collar looking outfit. Um, uh, I think that one of the newer ones, and I don't know if it's the new newest one yet right now or not, but the one that has the, it's the green lantern logo, but it has like black in the middle instead of, uh, instead of white in the negative space. Like, I don't think uh, I care for that 
look that much. Uh, I know it's kind of be like a, a blend of his original costume and, a, and the new costume, but his original costume, I still I still care for a lot. I love that costume, the white, black, and green, um, right? With the gauntlets and the the crab mask. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that it. I I like that the idea that this that Kyle Rayner, the artist, has to constantly come up with a new idea for his costume because he just can't stand it being stagnant. That's a good way to justify it. I didn't think about that. Um, Cause you're right. Yeah. He is an artist at the end of the day. And it's like, Oh, that would make sense why he's like, Ooh, let me do this. Ooh, let me do that. Um, I remember they did joke about it a lot during sins of youth. I think if you actually go back and look at it, every page with Kyle, it's a brand new costume. So like, how? <laughs> Kudos to that artist for having to be like, oh my god, I got to redesign something again and again and again. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I love that. Uh, let me t- ask you about one of your favorite characters because Cyclops and the X Men in general, especially those that first class, have gone through quite a bit of costume changes. But Cyclops himself, you know, from first class to now, uh, I mean, is there a particular costume that you like the most? And why is it the Jim Lee 90s one? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, it's funny. Um, So I think so. It's funny because the Jim Lee one, obviously, that was the cartoon. That's what brought us all to the X-Men, because whether we were reading the comics or not, we could always watch TV. That was free. Um, No, just something about having that you know, loose hair, you know, just like he's in battle, but he's got this perfect hair uh, out there. It's like, okay, that's really cool. Um, I like, I was very partial to the original costumes because one of the first books I ever read of the X-Men was called professor Xavier and the X-Men. And it was basically like nineties remake of those classic stories. I was like, Oh, this is so cool. So I loved the idea of the uniform look. Then I, I, you know, I, I started reading as much as I could. Um, I know a lot of people reference the uh, the Chris Claremont costume that era, the John Byrne one, where he would wear the blue suit and the yellow buccaneer boots and and yellow underwear and stuff like that. And it had the, as they call it, rather unfortunately, the condom head. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's it's a good classic looking costume, but I didn't care for it. Now John, or no, sorry, Paul Smith. He did a sketch of that costume with the hair loose. I actually wound up making a custom figure of it uh, just because I was like, this is so cool. I really enjoyed it. Let me see if I can grab it real quick to show you. It's going to be hard for our listeners because can't really hear it. And they can't really see. <laughs> they can't see. What we're- I know my senses. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, John uh, Paul Smith, and he's an amazing artist of his own right. So he took the costume and he gave it the hair, the hairless look. I was like, okay. that actually looks pretty cool because it's classic and iconic, but it, it has that loose hair. But I'd have to say, um, so a lot of people don't know this. So they think Jim Lee was the one who gave uh, Cyclops a hair free look. And that's actually false. Wow, I felt very Dwight saying it that way. Factor um, outfit. Uh, X factor. So they had the classic blue and white one, but there was a variant to it where he had the loose hair. Um, and I want to say, I think credit goes to maybe it is Jim Lee or uh, Wallace Patricio, I think was the gentleman's name. And so 
because and again, X Factor was a huge book for me, uh, just because it it took the original X Men and it reunited them. Um, actually, you know what? This is going to be scary to see. It might be Rob Liefeld who oh, no. for giving us Cyclops. <laughs> Yeah, that's not something you want happening. I guess while I'm looking for the issue, just to toss this at you, since we're talking about our favorite original X-Men, Hank McCoy, he's had a lot of transformations and looks. What's your favorite Hank look? I mean, my favorite Hank look is the the 90s cartoon uh, Hank, like with just the, the, the trunk the the you know the speedo look and just all the fur in the cat face like or not the cat face the ape face like it it that's the the one that I think of when I think of of uh of John of Hank Hank Pym but also I wanted to say before you moved off of Cyclops I I, I don't I don't think you brought it up but I like the John Cassidy uh astonishing X Men Cyclops outfit that one was cool that was a very uh, sharp outfit. Like the just the uh, yellow lines and stuff, like on um, where would might be seams or something like that. I don't know. I, I just really dug that one. Yeah, no, you you got a good call on that one. Um, okay, no, I take it. Whew, I can breathe. Uh, it was Judgment War was the story, and Paul Smith was the artist. So he's the one. Um, I believe you can credit with giving the uh, the hairless look. Uh, but the reason I had the panic is uh, if you look at the cover to X Factor number 50, uh, it's Rob Liefeld and uh, Todd McFarlane drawing the original X-Men and oh. all their glory, or lack of glory. But yeah, that was one of the early times where I can remember Cyclops having that cool, it was the blue costume with the white X across it. Uh, and the reason why I gravitate towards that costume is because was the first cyclops action figure i had uh because the success of the the tv show they were like hey let's do toys and they actually did something crazy they didn't do toys based off the cartoon they did toys based off of the comics uh they went further back and so it was like wow they actually went and did x-factor cyclops before they did you know jim lee cyclops so that was crazy so yeah definitely that that old x-factor look with the uh the loose hair that's that's the cool way to go for me I also say that I really enjoy the red X uh, uh, beast when I think that's his, is that also his uh, uh, X factor outfit when he, he has his human form again? I think so because yeah, they all kind of seem to be uh, wearing that themed suit. Um, let's see if I can. And you, so uh, it doesn't show so well there, but yeah, his human form and he's, he's wearing one of the costumes. Um, I, 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 there was, I think it was blue and red that they had that for some reason though, they changed it to Brown and yellow. And it was like, that was, that was such a bad yeah, no. change, but yeah, you're right. There it is. I, I kind of trying to see if I can find a cover that highlights it. But when angel became archangel, so during X factor 24, we could see beast strapped down to a table and he's wearing, uh, a blue and red, x-factor style costume and that one was pretty snazzy that was a good color combo for hank let me see if i can uh show you this one i don't know actually that's a very big character change that we saw um with angel going from angel to archangel that was a huge one didn't even think about bringing that one up, but yeah, that was a huge change for that character. So yeah, I mean, X-Men characters in general, you just, I mean, Psylocke, look at how many different costumes she's had and in, in different iterations of her. Uh, 
Wolverine has had a lot of different costumes. And if you go all the way to old man Logan, like that's, that's quite a bit. Um, it's, it's, it, I guess that is one of the things about Marvel, right? Is that it constantly is changing. Whereas DC is constantly trying to keep a certain look. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's true. Like the status quo, uh, definitely takes on stuff, but characters do change those costumes. Um, I think it's 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 kind of nice every now and then to spice it up um mm-hmm. very few times though do we get to see characters change it and stay i know obviously like we were just talking about the figure but like when batman got that armor when gene paul valley took over that was that was some pretty cool looking stuff it was wild looking uh superman when he had the electric phase that was something Ooh. else as well yeah do you remember uh, Jim Lee's redesign of of Wonder Woman with the with the jacket and the and the jeans and how many people just went nuts. Oh God, it was, but it was so horrible. It was like, really? and it was funny. I remember his justification. He was like, "Well, when she takes off her jacket, you know things are gonna get real." And it's like, what the hell? Like, first off, you're a warrior. Anybody who gets in a street fight knows you the jacket um, <laughs> um, but there's just something to jim lee and jackets he just loves it <laughs> it's true he does love them so but yeah god i almost forgot about that one okay what is your favorite costume yeah, change of your characters out there we'd love to hear about it please or if you have a favorite halloween issue of something we'd love to hear about that please get a hold of us find me on twitter i am at mitchipedia gem gem stands for geek elite media Chris, where can people find you online? Uh, definitely, yeah. Share your costume themes and ideas with me. Um, I'm over on Twitter as Stuff I Should Say, should being spelled S-H-U-D. And also, we uh, put out a lot of fun content, so definitely check out geekelitemedia.com. And right now, Rafa and I are still going through our Ed Brubaker, Grant Morrison, Batman, Captain America phases. Uh, that's been a lot of fun. We are... Uh, we are currently 13 weeks deep because we're making sure to keep it early. So holy cow, I can't believe we've put that much time into it. So definitely check it out. Let us know your thoughts on that. And then check out my new comic book reviews over at AIPTcomics.com. Please do. Uh, if you want to get a hold of anybody else on Geek Elite Media, it's at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out our Patreon. You can find... Uh, bonus material from imagine if it's called reimagine if on our patreon if you're one of our patrons and you can have you can find all kinds of other bonus material there too uh please check us out patreon.com slash media and whatever podcast catcher you use to listen to us rate and review our network so it can help spread the word of our network so that others can also enjoy the content that we provide but until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geekly Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. This concludes our broadcast. 